Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, April 27th. This is episode number 147. I'm your host, Rod Bloom, and it is draft week. Actually, tomorrow is uh, when the draft's going to kick off, and uh, we're going to spend some time talking about that uh, today. Uh, So uh, with me, first of all, is my brother, Jeff. Uh, How are things going, Jeff? Uh, Yeah, good, Rod. I got my crystal ball right here with me. Excellent. So we get that taken care of. You know, nobody has to stay up tomorrow night or anything like that. <laughs> right. What's going to happen? Yeah. So so cool. And uh, joining us is uh, Menachem Mikovitz. Uh, Menachem, how are you? I'm doing great. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Talk it's great to have you. Uh, everybody can follow you at uh, at Menudo underscore man on Twitter. And, uh, it's it's been a little while since we've talked. Uh, it would be nice to to catch up and talk a little bit of draft with you. So um, so we're gonna we're gonna do a couple things tonight. We're we're gonna um, talk about some mocks that we that we each put together, and then we're gonna talk about some favorite uh, Browns draft classes over the years, and maybe talk about um, you know everybody always talks about the Browns' worst draft picks, and we might touch on that, but we might also get to some of the Browns' best draft picks over the years as well so um we'll see how much time we have guys and how much fun we're having right (laughs) you know we don't always associate fun with brown's drafts but um you know the past couple of years it's gotten a little bit better (laughs) anyway you know i thought we'd uh tough crowd anyway so i thought we would um you know just start start by start by uh talking about um you know just a little bit of brown stuff um you know, you kind of what's on my mind is uh, is just the idea that uh, I really thought there might be a couple more signings before the draft, and they haven't happened yet. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean they're not going to happen, but I kind of wanted to see where you guys are with that and what, if any, impact you think it has on the draft. So, so Menachem. Let's talk about Jadavian Clowney, first of all. Uh, you got to feel like the Browns really would like to bring in Clowney or, you know, probably another uh, a veteran defensive end. Even They brought some other guys in, but I don't know if they're looking at any one of those guys as necessarily as the, you know, a full-time starter opposite of Miles. Right. So most, most, of the, most of those guys looking at, looking at their, at their, their career so far, they look more like like they're they're there for depth and to have guys at at training camp. So in terms of that, I mean, I would assume, that like you like you said, that the Browns would love to have Jadavian Clowney back. I would love to have Jadavian Clowney back. I, I thought he was I thought he did played very well last year, and I think I think that I would you know I think he'd be great for future. I do also th- I I do also wonder if the longer he's not signed is that a better chance for the browns to get him because he 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 he's not going to he one of the things he usually signs a little later in the se- in the in the off season with teams because he doesn't necessarily want to go that they say he doesn't want to go to 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 the you know OTAs and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i just wonder if like the later it is the better the better of a chance we have of getting him back 
Yeah. So, so Jeff, we, you know, we talked last week a little bit, you know, and just kind of threw out the idea of, you know, which wide receivers are at 44 that you take and, you know, you, um, and we're going to get into our mocks and everything, but you, you know, you mentioned uh, Christian Watson. So, you know, the Browns haven't signed Clowney. What kind of position does it put the Browns in? Uh, you know, if, if Christian Watson's there, they take wide receiver and then, you know, next, next go around, there's really not, you know, a guy, uh, an edge guy there, uh, which we don't even know who's going to be there at 44 anyways. Um, right. You know, if there's just not an edge guy there who who could really contribute this season, does that put, you know, how much harm does that do the Browns in trying to negotiate with Clowney at that point? Well, you, you've got to bring in somebody. And if it's not Clowney, then, you know, there's going to be a pretty significant drop-off, I think. You're going to end up probably with – a guy, you know, later in his career, more on the downside, um, you know, to, to try to hold down that position for a year or two. Um, I honestly think, and I don't want to jump ahead to the mocks, but um, if we don't take our D-line impact player at 44, we're not going to get one in this draft. Yeah. So who has – who's going to wind up with leverage if – the draft comes and goes and the Browns don't, you know, don't uh, draft a, a defensive end who, you know, who looks like they could get some significant playing time guys. Are they for, you mean, are they forced to, to open up the bank vault for Clowney? Well, I mean, how much does that hurt the negotiations with Clowney? You know, if he sees, wow, you know, they, they don't have anybody, you know, I, I mean, I, I, can get I, a think, little more. I think they're going to have to pay whatever his market is. You know, and and last year that was set pretty late. Um, you know, he he had a good season. That I'm sure that in a lot of teams' eyes um, increased his value. But there's still those lingering questions about him, and can he put two you know healthy seasons together? So, you know, I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see where he ends up. And it, like Menachem said, it's it's gonna be late. So. You know, the Browns have to keep yeah. moving forward with with their plans. You know, not not waiting on him. Okay, and then let's uh, let's move to wide receiver. I think I, I think um, most everybody, and I'll say that I'm talking about a majority of people, believe that the Browns are going to go wide receiver at 44. This is not the three of us. This is Browns fans. Right. I really thought the Browns were going to sign a, a veteran. You know, they've been like to Jarvis Landry and other guys, and that's um, the, does not having signed a guy yet, uh, a veteran, or you know, it, they've signed guys, but not not the a marquee type guy. You know, that that is going to come in and pretty much have a job, a guaranteed mm-hmm. job. Does that hurt the Browns at this point, or not quite yet? What do you think, Menachem? I think it doesn't necessarily hurt them. I think you look at the you look at the wide receiver room at the moment. You have Amari Cooper, who is a known commodity and is 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 a number one. And you know Donovan People Jones has has played well and with more opportunity could be even better. Um, there are some question marks, obviously, and of course, look, I would love to have a Jarvis back. I'd love to have someone else who's a, who's a proven commodity in that room. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. The other thing is this, and, and 
I, I don't remember where I, who I heard say this, but it's a, it's a good point. If you look at Deshaun Watson's last season that he actually played in Houston, some of the receivers that he had that year were not marquee names, were not great players, and, he, <laughs> and they had good seasons. He's the type of quarterback that can elevate others, and hopefully a guy like an Anthony Schwartz can, can get elevated, guys like that, you know. So who 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 know who knows if we need to go and get that big time name that we all we all are hoping to get. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been thinking just that that um, you know there was a need just for a little more veteran veteran leadership in that room, and you know not to slight Amari Cooper because he obviously brings that, but he's pretty much the only one at this point that you know with uh, with a whole lot of seasoning to him. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that jeff yeah you know i think donovan, donovan people's jones is going into year three um you have to be looking for him to um make that next step as a number two uh with a clear number one ahead of him now um and whoever we bring in unless we bring in somebody that we're really really willing to pay a lot of money for um is probably going to be behind dpj anyway mm-hmm. um whether it's through the draft or, or free agency uh or you know we wait until teams make cuts um you know in, in camp um i think sure. either way you know you're, you're really not counting on this guy to be a heavy usage type of receiver um you know cooper's going to get most of the plays um dpj is going to probably be the second in terms of volume and then we're going to split it the rest between tight end and and whoever ends up in the slot for us if it's you know um one of the backs or you know somebody that we bring in or whatever so honestly i i'm not feeling a lot of pressure to bring in a wide receiver at this point it would it would be a luxury but um yeah, I think we have bigger needs on defense. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with you there at all. There's definitely some some needs, uh, particularly on the defensive line. So. Um, so yeah, yeah. Are are you are you guys surprised that there haven't been more free agent signings on the defensive line? I mean, they they've they brought some guys in recently, particularly at, at end, but uh, it seems like. Uh, DT still a little bit thin, isn't it? Um, I don't have the roster in front of me, but or, or what are they at, Tom? Four defensive tackles. Four, four guys now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you know those guys are like like going into last year, we th- you know there were a lot of bodies thrown at that, as we've said, um, and you know we we waited for someone to to kind of shake out in, in that. Um, and I don't think we ever really got elevated defensive tackle play last year. There were spurts here and there, you know, um, you know, from individuals more or less. Right. right. Malik McDowell yeah. had a, had some had some really big plays early, um, but as far as somebody to really you know hang your hat on in that line, I you know there really wasn't anybody impactful. I guess that's the word I'm looking for, right? Um, so you have to look at at this draft class and the free agent class like, okay, well, who could come in and elevate the play at, at 
those positions at, on, on the interior defensive line. And right now, um, there are very few options, you know, in terms of elevating the, the, the line play. So um, yeah. I personally think that, that that pick at 44 or wherever that first pick ends up being um, needs to be an impactful defensive line player. Well, I think we know where you're going with your first pick in, in your mock here. So, uh, uh, but we're, we're let's move on to the mocks because uh, we can we can talk these out too. Uh, Menachem, you're the guest. Do you want to go first with your mock? I w- I'm happy to go first. I'm, I'm a novice at this, so just don't don't mock it too much. Okay. <laughs> we won't mock your mock, Menachem. We won't mock your mock. <laughs> Mouthful. <laughs> trust me there, there's one of there's one of us here who's a who's above a novice and that's it's not me either so um, we're just gonna have fun with it all right perfect um so the mock the mock draft simulator that i used when it got to the to pick 44 i i i looked at the wide receivers that were available and i looked at the defensive linemen that were available and one name popped out at me and it's the name is Drake Jackson, an edge ed rusher from USC. Now, one of the reasons why this why he popped out is I don't know if you I don't know if you guys watched the Building the Browns series, but in the most recent episode, there was a section about one of the scouts going to USC's pro day, and there was a lot of there was a lot of focus on Drake Jackson, which I'm leading to believe that that might mean that he's a player that we might look at and he played well. It, it fills a need, even whether, whether David Clowney comes back or not, I think as Jeff said, an impactful defensive lineman is, is an important pick. And I went with Drake Jackson. Okay. Yeah. And he, he's uh, I think he's projected to, to be around that area depending i mean everybody thinks that everybody's going to make it into the first round so he's obviously one of those guys that everybody thinks he could make it into the first round but i think um, i saw 92 different people who are going to be first round picks this year yeah yeah so i think he's i think he's one of those guys but i think if you're being honest middle of seconds about where most people would have him i mean only like three of them have first round grades but they'll be they'll be about they're about 96 people who are we're gonna make it the first round. Picks. Yeah, yeah, all three, all three <laughs> rounds. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll let you move on with, um, I guess, uh, pick number seventy-eight. Oh, you you don't want to go like one? Okay, that's fine. We'll just do your whole mock. I think. Oh, do you think that's oh, best, Jeff? Sure. Oh, yeah, fine. we'll just do okay. your whole mock. Okay. So. At 78, I, I I said let's let's look at the wide receiver room, and I I went with David Bell, the wide receiver out of Purdue. Um, he was he was one of the few names I recognized that was left at that point, so I went with him. Okay. Uh, number at pick number 99, um, I'm 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 an Ohio State fan, so I don't know about you guys. I'm an Ohio State fan. I I, I do wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm one of those who say, let's pick some, let's pick some Buckeyes for the team. Um, but also it has to fit. And I think that at 99, Haskell Garrett, the defensive tackle, that at, if nothing else, he brings another body in that, in that defensive tackle room. And hopefully someone can 
excel and with a name like Haskell Garrett. I, th- I thought that would be a good thing. Then we could have like H Garrett and M Garrett. Like there's a lot of like fun stuff that you could do with like the social media team for the Browns with, with a bunch of Garrett. There you go. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying, to <laughs> big picture mm-hmm. trying to help everyone out. All right. Um, yep. Then, then yeah. at pick 118, I went with Jelani Woods from the tight end from Virginia. Um, I don't think tight end is a is a is a is a top of the line need for the Browns, but I think it's it's at this point in the draft, it's a good it's a it, it's a good spot for some for for some, for some depth, and I do think they need to add a tight end at some point. I'll be honest again, Ohio State fan, I was hoping to go Jeremy Ruckert, but at this point he was already taken in the simulator that mm-hmm. I did. So well, that's kind of where I thought you were headed with that whole Ohio State thing, right? So I, I, I wanted to get t- I wanted to get defensive tackle taken care of before. That's a good point. Um, so that's that was the fourth fourth pick at one at number one eighteen. Next one at two at pick two hundred and two, I went with Cade York, the kicker out of LSU. Browns have picked a kicker twice since nineteen ninety nine. They did it with Austin Seibert, and they did it with Zane Gonzalez, and I think that Cade York it would be a good fit. Um, they, I know they, they re-signed Chase McLaughlin, but you have to bring in some um, competition for him. And I think Katie York is is the only kicker whose name I recognized. So I want yeah. him. And then the last two picks, I'll be honest, I at this point it was like I don't really know the anyone at this point. So I kind of picked positions where I think the Browns might go, and I picked whoever the highest rated person who was left was. So I think, I think okay. I, I picked 223. I picked Tyson Anderson, a safety out of Toledo. Um, I know the Browns have, have the big three of John Johnson, the third and Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison. And I know, I, I know that they have Richard LeCount who played well at moments last year, but I think again, more co- these last picks, it's always about bringing in competition. And I think, mm-hmm. Bring in competition for Richard LeCount, who also was a late round pick. So I thought that would be a, a nice spot. And my final guy is a guy named Dawson Deaton. He's an offensive lineman. It it it, it says in the, it says on the thing that he's a center from Texas Tech. Again, I'm not sure if he's like a center center or like just an interior lineman. So, but again, I think I think an offensive lineman late in the draft is is always a good always a good pick. You always want to keep building young guys especially we're gonna have the rookie mini camps and you get these guys with with some time with bill callahan who's one of the best offensive line coaches of all time i, I just think it's great last year james hudson had 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 some one-on-one time with him and when he when he needed to play he was in there he wasn't the best but he definitely wasn't as bad as some people were making him out to be so i think an offensive line yeah. is always pick, and Dawson Deaton was the highest ranked guy on the list as of I got there. And that so, was- so Jeff, are you are you familiar with Tyson Anderson out of Toledo? Not at all. <laughs> okay, well, I, all. I only mention him because he came up when I was doing my mock too, and I I kind of clicked, you know, to to look at you know what is said about him, and it looked like he might be more of a strong safety. That's the only reason I didn't pick him. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, with he, with he, the Browns he, re-signing Ronnie Harrison, 
Um, honestly, I I because I was looking for a free safety. I'm like, if I, safeties. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious if you if you knew anything about him. I don't expect you to know guys in the seventh round, but um, there, yeah, there's no, so mean, many the, guys. The, the Ronnie the Ronnie Harrison signings for me just just eliminated the need to look at late round safeties. Um, you know, unless unless a safety pops up early in the draft that we just can't say no to, um, I think we're pretty well set at that I, position. I, I could see him pulling the trigger on a good free safety, you know, if, if it happens, if the right guy's there. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I no, think that's I, I, I think the only way. Menachem, I think your, your thought process is incredibly sound with all of these picks. Um, and I, I, I tend to slot in, uh, positions at about the same level you do so well done I, I i will say i feel like my biggest reach was haskell garrett at 99 it's probably I agree. a little high right i, I think the the position is is the right i think 99 is a good spot for it i'm not sure that the yep. play is that high. but my ohio state fan is yeah and i just said i'm gonna go yeah well, I'm I'm not sure that that he can come in and beat out the guys that we have. That's that's hard to say, but on this show that, we like we like guys named Garrett and we like guys named Haskell. Exactly. That's for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Our mom's maiden name was Haskell. That's for, that's for right. Those, so we're half Haskell. We're half Haskell. <laughs> So, right. Our, okay. our Haskell lineage goes back to 1635 in North America. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, well done, Menachem. Um, very nice. And I'm going to yeah. go second because we're going to save the best for last, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a question for you guys because I thought the uh, Browns have picked 107, do they not? Or is it 118? Because the mock that I did came up at the Browns picking at 118. And I'm thinking, wait, yeah, I thought they one, it is yeah. 118? That's okay. what I have. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I would think everybody would have this straight by now. But you, you go through different simulators, and they have them with different picks. <laughs> and you, I right. started questioning everything. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, I used, uh, I used Pro Football Network. Um, uh, Jeff, you might... You might like this mock. We'll see. Um, I pretty much okay. decided to go with uh, with what I thought was the best guy at each pick. So, um, you know, sure. while fulfilling some needs. So, um, the guy who mm-hmm. fell to 44 was uh, Perion Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Um, I think there's some. I think there's some concerns about him. So, I think that's at least possibly possible. Um, again, this is just how this came up, so I don't know if it's all likely or not, but anyways, so that's who I took. Yeah, no, that's fine. So, and then 78, um, the guy who fell to 78 was Logan Hall. (laughs) So I doubled up. Mm -hmm. I took Logan Hall because I think he can play some defensive end too. Um, you know, and the Browns need help on the defensive line. So I'm just, I'm just going bam, bam. Let's fix the defensive line. Uh, you know, these are guys mm-hmm. that could come in and definitely contribute. So that's 44 and 78. Um, 99, I, I took uh, Romeo Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver out of Nevada. Uh, he was 
in my opinion, the best wide receiver left on the board at that point. And I really didn't like, uh, there really wasn't a guy available at 44 or 78 that, you know, that had fallen or anything at wide receiver that was more attractive than, you know, than the guys that I took. Yep. Um, 118, I also took Jelani Woods, the tight end out of Virginia. Um, doing a fist bump uh, virtual with Menachem. Um, <laughs> As now, now I feel smart. You picked him also. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, at 202, I kind of got to where, um, I'll be honest, I didn't really know any of the guys that were, <laughs> that were the top guys available, uh, <laughs> just being honest. Um, so I looked at who was available, and um, I thought the best pick was uh, was Vincent Gray, cornerback out of Michigan. Um, you never have too many corners, and I think Vincent Gray is like 6'1", 6'2", and 200 pounds or so. So, um, you know, I figure why not bring him in. Uh, and then uh, pick 223, again, I, I think a lot of uh, these draft boards have this guy low. He's probably going to go higher because he ran very well. But um, Bo Melton, the wide receiver out of Rutgers, was still on the board for some reason. So uh-huh. whether it's Bo Melton or, or potentially somebody else, I could see the Browns doubling up either at wide receiver there or – you know, or, or another offensive possession possibly, or, um, you know, I don't really think they need to go running back, but I could see them considering it, you know, if the right guy was there. Um, and on the board that I use, I did not get a final pick guys. So they did not give me that last pick, uh, 246, but, um, you know, I probably wouldn't have known anybody. I probably would have uh, grabbed a kicker. Okay. York. I probably would have gone with Cade there. York if he was still there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So that's my mock. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I'd be yeah. happy. Again, I think I think the the thought process is identical to what I go through um, when I look at who are the players that will most impact our roster, and the fact that you doubled up on mid and late round receivers. Um, I love with, with taking, you know, with, with taking two D line players early coming back and and doubling up, um, with, you know, a couple of guys that are sort of similar, but, um, you know, we talked last week about, you know, you've got the, the one, a, B, C, D, and E, right. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, so you've got a, you've got a a B guy there and you've got a, a, you know, C or D guy there. And I, I think that that gives you some depth in the receiver room, which is what we want out of this draft. Yeah. It, it's one of those where there just, there wasn't an edge guy that I wasn't, right. would not have been overdrafting like crazy at any point. So, yeah. you yeah. know, and there were other guys available. So I think, I think you just have to, you just have to take what's there. That's just kind exactly. of what you have to do in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, you can run these Sims, hundred times and get a hundred different results, you know, um, dep- depending on who falls and, it, and each, each time it seems like different guys fall, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, you know, the fact that, that you were able to pull, pull Perry and Winfrey with the 44th pick, I think is, is pretty surprising. Um, I'd like to see that happen personally. 
Um, but I've been seeing him at the end of the first round lately. Um, yeah, and I, I think when well, you when you see see me taking Perry and Winfrey, it's not so much that oh he's not going to be there. It's that you think that if it's not him, it's going to be somebody, right? You know, that's and that's kind of the idea of it. Yeah, yeah somebody's going to fall. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, I'll just kind of run through mine, and then I'll, I'll I'll give you a little bit of what I think are some of the, the variables. That, that could have gone into any of these. Okay. Okay. Um, if that's all right. Um, so mine is sort of a worst case scenario. I mean, this, this sim that I did just before we jumped on, um, a lot of the guys that I like were gone. So I, <laughs> yeah. So I took the guys that I feel like are the, the, the worst case scenario picks if we stay right where we are. Okay. And then we can talk a little bit about if we moved a little. Okay. Um, but at 44, again, I want a guy who's going to start, who's going to play, who's going to be a three down D line player. Okay. And for me, it's the guy I mentioned last week, Cameron Thomas, the edge out of San Diego state. Um, he's probably not going to set the world on fire. Um, I've seen him comped to, to Carl Nassib. I think that's where, where Thor had him comped. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be pretty happy with the equivalent of Carl Nassib opposite Miles Garrett um, this fall. Uh, I think his, his ceiling is probably a little higher than that. And I think that uh, Joe Woods could creatively utilize him some different ways. Um, but there's just a lot unknown about him right now. And, and, and because of the conference he played in and, you know, there are some knocks against him in terms of his bend ability. But you got Miles Garrett on the other side. You know, we're not going to ask this guy to be our sack leader. Right. Um, I think we need a steadying presence on the other side, and he can do that for us. And he's he's probably the only official quote unquote defensive end uh, candidate that's going to be left at forty four. Mm-hmm. If Perry and Winfrey were to fall, and and you could figure out a way to utilize him both ways, I would love to see that happen. Um, but my pick's Cameron Thomas all day long at 44 if we stay there. Okay. Um, so at, at 78, you know, I was really looking for one of those guys to, to drop to me. Um, you know, I'd love to see Logan Hall fall that far. Um, I'd love gonna. to see a couple other guys fall that far. I'd love to see Alec Pierce fall that far. You know, I mean, if, if yeah. Christian Watson ends up going in the first round and, and Alec Pierce makes it down to 78, man, I'm, I'm jumping on him. Okay. But he was long gone. Um, in fact, I think he was taken right after Cameron Thomas. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the guy that was left for me at, at wide receiver, and, and I, I feel like we need to take a wide receiver in those first four picks. Okay. If, if we don't, then it's going to get pretty thin afterward, um, in terms of finding somebody impactful in this draft. So mm-hmm. for me, the most impactful guy, and, and, you know, you had him going at 99, Rod, is, is Romeo Dubs. I mean, he, he looks like an NFL receiver to me. Um, and I don't mind using my first third rounder on a guy that is going to come in and, and hopefully, like I said, compete with DPJ for, for the number two receiver over the next several years. Okay. So again, I'd love to take him later, but, um, that's just kind of how this first, this, uh, this simulation worked out. Okay. Um, then at 99, um, I'm really looking for my tight end at this point. Because if you wait too much longer, it starts to really thin out. Um, I'd love to see Trey McBride still there on the board somewhere. 
Um, if he was there at 78, I would have taken him. Okay, but he's again long gone. Uh, so in my mind, the next closest guy that can be our Mark Andrews is Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got the tools and the size to 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 develop into a significant contributor. Um, you know, whether or not we keep David and Joku, I think we need to be developing that guy. Um, so he's 99. Uh, and then the last pick of the what I'll call the picks that, you know, we can really expect to get something from uh, at 118, you know, that that fourth um, or that. Yeah, that fourth round pick, um, the fourth or late third. That's late third. Um, that's late. Right? Um, yeah. 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 Late third. We don't have a fourth. Yeah. So uh, at this point, I'm looking for, again, a, a, somebody who brings something that we don't already have okay and for me that's a wide body um in the middle of our d line so i went with john ridgeway um he's sort of a nose tackle um big big body guy uh out of arkansas uh there's a couple of guys in that vein that that i would take mid rounds uh so i plugged him in there because again i think he gives us something that our other d tackles don't yeah makes sense um, okay. So then down to the guys who are, you know, the, uh, the long shots, um, 202, um, this is, this is my, um, uh, sort of, uh, my pick that I'm doing just because of, uh, uh, emotion, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, Mike Rose from, um, the Cleveland area went to, went to Iowa State. He's a linebacker. He's, he's a good-sized middle linebacker prospect. Um, we talked about him a few weeks ago, Rod. He reminds me a little bit of Clay Matthews. Not as many tools, obviously, but just the way he plays. Um, and uh, I'm going to take him if he's on the board anywhere you know, after the fifth round. Um, I think he'll can probably I, go on. So can I interject, Jeff, when I did my mock, uh, Mike Rose won at 201. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think he's going to be gone in the fifth round, actually. Yeah. Um, but if he's there and we can take him with one of our six-round picks, and it's probably going to have to be the first one. Uh, I'd love to see him on the Browns. Just, you know, like I said, my heart wants him to be on the Browns. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then uh, 223. Um, at this point, I'm I'm looking for a running back. Um, we've, we've talked a little bit about Pierre strong. Um, he goes probably in the third or fourth round now. He's not a secret anymore. Um, so the guy that I'm looking at that uh, I think is the, you know, the, the B version, um, would be, uh, Keontae Ingram out of USC. Um, he okay. could potentially fill that, uh, Kareem Hunt role in a year or two. Um, he's just a real active change of pace back who can, catch a little bit out of the backfield. Um, I think he'd be a nice compliment to our, our running back room, you know, depending on how it shakes out over the next couple seasons. Um, yeah. And then 246, uh, no brainer. You guys both took him. Uh, Kate York, the kicker. Um, unless, you know, there's somebody crazy still sitting there. And Kate York, you know, he might go in the sixth round or higher. Um, yeah, it could happen. But if he's still sitting there at the end of the draft and, and we still have that seventh round pick, which I kind of doubt, um, I'd, I'd certainly plug him in. Um, 
you know, if not, there's there's a couple of other options depending on how the earlier picks go. But we we I, I agree with what Wenakam said. It's long we're long overdue to draft a kicker. Yeah, and guys, I don't want to sit here and figure it out, but um, do you think there are a lot of teams that are looking for a kicker right now? It seems like a lot of teams have good kickers, but not the Browns. Everybody's kickers are always in demand. It's just a matter of you know, it seems when. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. If, right? Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be the the year where somebody decides to draft one of these kick, kickers real high. Right. You know. I know people like uh, um, what's his name Dicker too, so I don't know which which guy's better. Uh, doesn't matter. Whoever yeah. can come in and kick the ball, <laughs> right? So, uh, so we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the thing with kickers. I mean, you, they're they you you get kickers from from year to year who are who are on an upswing, and then the next year they're on a downswing, and and you know the the consistent ones are are few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think we all kind of did similar drafts, really, as far as the positions. Yep. You know, I yes. think you know what the Browns need. Uh, yep. but, but but you had to kind of take what was there for you. So, um, right, right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's that's crazy cool. about these mocks, you know, is that, um, you know, a guy drops and it kind of throws everything out of kilter. But, like I said, the, the thing that I can take that I can honestly take away from this exercise is that if the Browns take a wide receiver at 44, um, the entire draft is going to be a lot different than if they go defensive line with 44. I agree. I think I think, man, I, I just I feel like they can get a wide receiver at 78, 99 or, or maybe, you know, maybe 118. Yeah. You, know, you can if, still contribute and still be good, you know, um, unless it's really a guy like Watson. Um, you're, you're, like you said, you're kind of taking a risk of jeopardizing your whole draft and, you know, right. looking at uh, kind of just kind of grabbing whoever's available for defensive line and, and, you know, and everything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now you're, you're, you're really going with long shots. Um, and I think it's it, in terms of, of your earlier question about Clowney, um, it really does impact how the Browns approach free agency. You mean the draft or? Yeah, what, what they're able yeah. to get on the defensive line in yeah. the draft. Yeah, I think that, I mean, they have to have something now. They just do. I mean, you, if they had Clowney, you could kind of go into this saying, eh, you know, they'll grab a defensive tackle somewhere and they'll, they'll probably be okay. You know, because they right. can probably get somebody right. else when teams do cuts and and that. But, uh-huh. you know, you almost feel like you got to add a couple guys now. Interestingly, you know, you know, we were in almost this exact same position pre-draft last year. And, yeah. and, and I was advocating for a three-down defensive end with our first pick last year. <laughs> yeah. And and then like a week later they signed Clowney. <laughs> yeah. So um so I'm yeah, I'm not gonna freak out no matter what happens, but uh you know, I I, I guess if Barry goes um you know, just doesn't even touch defensive line and just goes wide receiver, tight end, you know, <laughs> and you know, linebacker or something like that, I guess we'll have a pretty good feeling that he's gonna sign Clowney in a few days. 
Yeah. And even if he did, you know what? I would still be thrilled with Perry and Winfrey. I mean, if he fell to us, okay, and we had Jadavian Clowney next to him, I mean, now you've got three impactful players on the defensive line. And yeah. that's yeah. that's better than two, obviously. You well, know, sure. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, someone like Logan Hall um, is probably the, you know, the next level down who can kind of, you know, shift between the positions. Um, there's some questions with Logan Hall about is he, you know, too tall and, um, but the, the, the potential to move guys around and, and have flexibility on the defensive line to me is just so much more important mm-hmm. than coming out of this draft with a second receiver. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Number two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about what's, what's the saying. What's the saying, Rob? Uh, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. Well, that's what it used to be, anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure if that's still accurate or not, but I mean, it, it, it still makes sense. I mean, you you still need defense to a point in this league, no matter you know you know no matter what the amount of points is. The amount of points you give up has changed, but you still got to have defense to win. It's just that it's just uh, the scores look different. That's all. So, guys, let's let's talk about some of our favorite draft classes for the Cleveland Browns and and. Um, you know, there, there have been some decent ones recently, like very recently, but uh, yeah. but um, you kind of have to go back a ways to to uh, really get into some good ones. So, um, Menachem, have have you picked out a draft class that would be your favorite Browns draft class? So I have one that's that's like my favorite. I have one that's like an honorable mention, if I could say that one, and I have one that if we just landed the first round picks it would be like top of the top um if i could say all three i'd appreciate that the first one is yeah is the the first draft class i'm going with is my favorite rod we, we, we you, you mentioned it when we talked earlier it's the 1978 browns draft now the truth of the matter is if you look at the draft it's really only because of the first round because in the first round in mm-hmm. 1978 the Browns picked a linebacker by the name of Clay Matthews and a tight end by the name of Ozzie Newsom. Yeah. That, that alone is like, it's a mic drop of a, of a draft. You win. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. They could have folded their cards and walked away at that point. And, and that's kind of what they did. If you look at the rest of the draft though, because in the second round that pick number 39, they went with punter Johnny Evans. So one of our favorite players of all time. He's actually, you, yeah. One of our favorite players, not just punter, backup quarterback, Johnny Evans. Right. I did see it said punter slash quarterback in one of the places, but I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the names here are, are, you know, not impact as impactful as those first two of Clay Matthews and Ozzie Newsome. I mean, what, what can you say about Clay and Ozzie that haven't, has not been said before? Um, you know, so, so that again, if they would have picked like a, like a some guy who, you know, did something for the Browns or like a, a semi-recognizable name, I'd be a little bit more, on uh, you know, impressed with the rest of the picks. I will just add that part of the 
you think about how 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 great how crazy this was. 1978 was the first season that San Rotigliano was coach. Imagine being a first year coach, and you get two first round picks, and your two and those two picks are Clay Matthews Jr. and Ozzie Newsom. I mean, yeah, not too right? bad. So then, when you know, when I was looking through the list of of different draft classes, I got to tell you, the 1990 draft class for the Browns is actually pretty impressive. All right, they didn't have a first round pick that year, but second round, second through let me start the second through seventh round. Now at that time, the draft was had more had more rounds than we do now. Twelve rounds. Yeah. So second through seventh round, they they picked six players. All all of them except for one played over a hundred games in the NFL, and the one who didn't played ninety nine. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. I'm going to read the names, and, and, and again, most of these names are, are familiar to people. Leroy Horde was picked in the second round. Anthony Pleasant was picked in the third round. Uh, Rob Burnett was picked in the fifth round. Tight end by the name of Scott Galbraith, who played in 118 games, was picked in the seventh. Um, Harlan Barnett was picked in the fourth. Rand, Randy Hilliard who I don't remember as well, but he played 120 games in the, in the NFL, was 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 a sixth round pick. I mean, these were these were this was a really like good draft, and yeah. uh, especially when you look at some of these other ones where it's like one guy has like the top guy from that draft has like 87 NFL games, you know, and, and then it's like a bunch of like three and sevens, you know. Yeah. So pretty that, bad. That was one that I thought was impressive. And, yeah, Pleasant and, and Burnett actually were the starting defensive ends for like four years in a row. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one that I, I'm just going to say, if we if we could have nailed the first round, and we had two picks this year, and we we blew both of them, um, is 2014. 2014 when we picked, we, we'll tell you the second through fourth round picks we had those years. <laughs> Second round was Joel Batonio. Third round was Christian Kirksey. Third round, another third round pick was we had we got Terrence West, who had a, like a couple good seasons, decent seasons. And then in the fourth round, we picked Pierre Desir. Mm-hmm. Now, if only He's the still playing, round, isn't he? I believe so. And if, <laughs> if only the if only the first round picks were not named Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel, this right. could have been. The best draft we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Those two are kind of tough to overcome. <laughs> right. That's the downside. Yep. Wow. Those were three that. Good choices, Menachem. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, you wanted me to go before you on this? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I am. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just picked out. Uh, <clears throat> Obviously, there, there's a lot of cool draft classes, you know, I mean, and, and you can get hung up on the recent ones that are kind of duds and that. But, you know, I, I picked the 1984 draft class. And, um, you know, for, for a few guys, um, I don't have the games played in front of me. I just I just uh, took a shot of, of the players on the rounds in that uh, 10 rounds that year. <laughs> What's that? I'll tell you what they are. Go ahead. 
Okay. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the class I was going to pick. But go ahead. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, I figured we would double up. I've got somewhere. a backup. <laughs> I figured. I I was hoping you would. So uh, so first round was was Don Rogers, who was an incredible player. Unfortunately, uh, um, I don't even know how long he played before he uh, before he died from a drug overdose. Um, not not long. Uh, two seasons. Two seasons. Yeah, two okay. seasons. I can't remember if it was one or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, um, he was a first round pick. Uh, second round pick was uh, Chris Rockins, who he was with the Browns for several seasons, I believe. Um, defensive back. Uh, turned, played a long time. Yeah, he played a long time. He was he was a pretty good player. Um, yeah. Let's say uh, Bruce Davis. I don't remember. Uh, don't know anything about him. He was a second round pick. Um, Ricky yeah. Bolden. Tackle, um, I think he played. Yeah, believe. Yeah, um, he was he was a swing tackle for a number of years. Yeah, um, you know, I, I picked the class because it had um, uh, Brian Brennan was picked in, in the fourth round. Um, one of you know a lot of people's, uh, you know, one of the all time favorites. Uh, yeah, at wide receiver. Uh, yeah, don't know the fifth round pick. Um, fifth, sixth, seventh. And then yeah, I'm going to skip the rest of these guys until we get to the 10th round. You, I don't think you know any of these other guys either, do you, Jeff? No, um, well, none of them really played much, no. Yeah, I don't think any of them played much. Finally, in the 10th round, the Browns picked Ernest Biner running back out of uh, play out um, South Carolina, I believe. I East Carolina. East Carolina. Okay, I knew it was one of the Carolinas. Um, yeah, 10th yeah, round. Um, yeah. So we'll get back to Ernest Bynum. pick in the draft. <laughs> 280 pick in the draft, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, Crazy. So Talk that, about that's, value. Yeah, that's the class I settled on. Um, most Mostly because of, uh, you know, th- those four picks. Um, Don Rogers, Chris Rockins, uh, Brian Brennan, and, and uh, Ernest Biner. But obviously Ricky Bolden played, played uh, quite a bit too. But, well, um, you know, pretty uh, pretty solid class so jeff that class obviously that class stands on its own merits um and that's why i i would have picked it as well i mean any anytime you can get ernest biner in the 10th round um (laughs) you know that's a pretty impressive draft uh but you did forget a player rod um in the 1984 supplemental draft the browns took a kid from boardman named bernie kosar um who was the cherry on top of that draft class um and yeah, and when you when you package all that together, um, yeah, if yeah, if you add Bernie a, in, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, that's up, that's a general manager's dream. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a general Bernie manager's dream. Bernie kind of pushes right it now. over the top of um, even some of the draft classes from the '60s, where there were two and three Hall of Famers taken in the same <laughs> same year. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to go back in time just because you guys picked the the more recent ones. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a couple. Um, I think if you know, if you look at the, like you said, Rod, the, the classes with Hall of Famers in them, um, that's pretty hard to look past. Um, you know, Matthews and Newsom obviously were Hall of Fame level players uh, taken in the first round. Um, before that, even that player Hall of Fame players were taken later in the draft. Um, 
you know, so in, in 1964, the Browns drafted Paul Warfield and, you know, he went to Miami for a while um, and came back, but um, obviously uh, a Hall of Fame receiver. But in the eighth round of that draft, they also took Leroy Kelly, who yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think is still like the second highest yardage back in Browns history. Right. Um, he is, yes, and, uh, and a and a Hall of Famer. So, so that all in all, that was a pretty good draft class. Um, you know, by the way, it was twenty rounds back then. Um, <laughs> but um, to really go to a, a Hall of Fame class, you have to go all the way back to nineteen fifty seven. Um, that year, there were actually thirty rounds in the draft. Um, I think I think most of these guys had full time jobs and were just playing football for fun back then. But um, everybody knows the first pick that year was Jim Brown um, and nothing else needs to be said about that. Um, But there were two other Hall of Famers drafted by the Browns that year. Um, In the seventh round, uh, the Browns took Gene Hickerson, um, the great guard. Um, out of Mississippi, who um, is generally credited with with opening up a lot of the holes that Jim Brown ran through. Um, the ones he didn't so, make himself. Yeah, right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, um, right. you know, any, any Browns fan, if you don't know who Gene Hickerson is, you do do a little bit of reading and, and uh, you'll find that he was one of the greatest all time players. Uh, Absolutely. The franchise has had. Um, and then. Um, the other guy who was taken in the fifth round uh, was Henry Jordan. Um, Henry Jordan was a defensive tackle. Um, I'm trying to find his uh, his measurables here. Um, I want to say he was like 6'2", 240 or something, <laughs> playing defensive tackle back then. Okay. 1957, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, – you know, he he was drafted by the Browns in the fifth round. Um, he kicked around for a couple of years here, and then the Browns traded him to Green Bay for a fourth round pick. So you think, geez, you know, we 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 improved from a fifth to a fourth round um, after hanging on to a guy for a couple of years. All right, we we did pretty good with that deal, right? Well, um, Henry Jordan went on to be a Hall of Fame defensive tackle for the uh, Vince Lombardi Green Bay Packers. Um, and was um, elected to four Pro Bowls uh, in his Pro Bowl MVP in 61. Uh, he was all NFL seven times. Um, and all those Packers did was win five of six NFL titles. <laughs> so, um, you know, he was he was a pretty good player. Um, uh, the, the sad part is, is that um, he retired um, 74, 75, I think, um, or 70, I think. And then, uh, in 77, he actually died of a heart attack, uh, while he was jogging. Um, but, um, that year, 1957, uh, you know, 30 rounds of, of players picked to, to come up with, uh, three future hall of famers, um, is pretty incredible. Yeah, and he was uh, 248 pounds is what I'm saying, Jeff. So Yeah, still, okay. <laughs> yeah. And probably a huge guy for for the time. But yeah, you know, um Yeah. Yeah. Would would not play defensive line today. <laughs> anyway, so So yeah, so um So yeah, definitely some cool draft classes. So let let's talk about a few other uh steals in the draft, some of the Browns' best picks. 
Um, Menachem, did you come up with any guys? I don't know if um, I gave you enough time on this or not to come up with some of the Browns' best draft picks. So you're talking just from a value standpoint? Probably from a value standpoint, but anybody you want to say. I mean, I, I was really looking at it from value, so I'll throw one out here first. Um, okay. Uh, 1972 in the 13th round, the Browns selected quarterback Brian Sipe. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one. Um if you guys don't have have other ones, I'll throw out a couple more. Um, 1958 in the seventh round is when they took Bobby Mitchell. So uh, of course he's a Hall of Famer too. Uh, right, right. Started with the Browns and then uh, wound up with the with the Redskins. We're going to call them the Redskins because that's what they were at that point. Um, uh-huh. 1951 in the ninth round, and this goes back to a trivia question you asked a long time ago, Jeff. The Browns picked Don Shula. Yeah. 1951 ninth round, and he actually had a yeah. he had he had uh, just remembering from the trivia question that you asked, he had a a very nice. Uh, pro career with a lot of picks i believe a lot of interceptions as a defensive back yeah yeah um i'll throw up a, throw out a, a more recent one um 1985 in the seventh round the browns took reggie langhorn out of elizabeth city state um he had a pretty good career yeah yeah that's, that's a solid pick definitely so uh Menachem, do you have anything, or should we should we turn over to uh, to bad picks? Or have you guys heard <laughs> enough about the bad picks already? Oh, I've I've heard enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, been too many I, of them. If I could just say this, I, I would say if you take it, it, when talking about the bad picks, so a lot of a lot of times it's those first those first rounders, the the Menzels and the and the you know Courtney Browns of the world. But if you look at the Browns' second-round picks historically, they got some really good players in the second round. I mean, in 2006, they got Dequal Jackson. In in um, uh, Michael Dean Perry was a second-round pick. T.J. Ward played well for us for some time. He was a second-round. Yeah. Mitchell Schwartz was a second-round pick. Latonio was a second-round pick. We mentioned him earlier. Um, Emmanuel Agba, who's found the you know, found a home in, in Miami and has been playing well the last couple of years was a second round pick. So, you know, for all the for all the, you know, Browns can't pick well. I mean Nick Chubb was a second Nick round Chubb, pick. Chubb, yeah. You know, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, uh J O K last year. You yeah. know, the second round's been pretty good to the to, to the Browns historically. I mean I mentioned I mentioned the nineteen ninety draft. Leroy Horde was a second round pick was the second round pick that year. He was their first pick of that draft. But he was a second round pick. You know, it's just looking at some of these names, even like guys who may not have been like great players. Dan Footman in '93 was played for for some time. You know, Lawyer Tillman, who who had a, who had a couple good seasons with the Browns, was mm-hmm. a, a second round pick. It's just interesting to to see some of these second rounders. I'll tell you what, they didn't have a lot of success success with. In the second round, Menachem was picking wide receivers. 
That's true. You can go so. down a laundry list of failed second round wide receivers. Well, there for a while you could go down a laundry list of failed wide receivers. Period. That too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but partic- yeah, especially in the second round. A lot of more second round picks. Oh, you're right, Jeff. Webster Slaughter was a yeah. second round pick. Yeah. So um, um, let me let me throw out another uh, another draft real quick, Rod. That um, you know we talked about really good drafts. Um, you know by by virtue of early picks. Um, this was a terrible draft if you looked at the early picks, but it was redeemed by the late picks. Uh, the 1979 draft. In the first round, they took Willis Adams, who was mm-hmm. one of those number 80 guys that just always Didn't seemed to be terrible for us yeah. for years, right? Yeah. Um, a defensive back in the second round named Lawrence Johnson, who played a little bit, uh, and then a bunch of names you never heard of until you get down into the seventh round when they took Cody Risen out of Texas A&M, and all yeah. he did was start at left tackle for like nine years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the ninth round, they took Curtis Weathers, who was a linebacker um, who played here for like six years. Um, so those yeah. two guys redeemed an otherwise terrible draft class. Yeah, Cody Risen was uh, was an excellent player um, for a long time. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it went D- Doug Deacon, Cody Risen, Joe Thomas pretty much were the, you know, were the left tackles for the Browns. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cool. So um, let's just, and I'll start with this, guys. What, um, what advice do you have for... Uh, for Andrew Barry heading into this draft, um, you know, based on the historic, you know, based on the Cleveland Browns history, you know, that we've been looking at in the draft. And, and I've got uh, a couple of things I want to throw out. Um, first would be uh, do not let the owner make a pick. <laughs> don't listen uh, to any homeless guys. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to any homeless guys. Um <laughs> Second would be do not uh, trade into the number 22 spot. Right. Or And then let the owner make the pick. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything else you guys would like to throw in? Because that's all I got. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think uh, AB is kind of... Uh, and it's shown at least, uh, you know, so far that he's that he seems to have a good handle on this thing. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we've got some confidence, at least I do, um, that he's going to do a nice job with us. And uh, I think I think uh, that, you know, it's a strong draft class. So I think there should be the opportunity to add some serious talent, um, even with the lower picks in this in this uh, draft. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, Andrew Barry knows this, but you're not going to solve every roster problem in the draft. No. You know, it's a matter of getting as much value as you can out of the, out of the picks that you have. And I think he's demonstrated that that's one of his really long suits, you know, is that he's going to find value even with these late picks and he's going to move around uh, as he feels necessary to maximize those opportunities. And I wouldn't be surprised at, at all um, if, or I should say I would be very surprised if they made all seven of these picks where they sit right now. Um, I fully expect there to be some movement in this draft because 
guys are going to fall that that are going to be tremendous value that that um, we won't have to give up the farm to move to, and that's yeah. going to be the really exciting part. Yeah, Menachem. Uh, think- the the JOK thing, for example, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Menachem, you think more likely to move up or down in this draft? Maybe so various spots, or I, or some of both. I, I think it's going to depend on the situation. I think I think it's going to depend on how how the board is 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 looking. If they see that, I I think that if they see that there's that it's dwindling with the players they really want, I think I think that they'll be aggressive and move up. And I think I think if they see that there's enough talent that they can move back a few spots and pick up a, a pick in a future draft, I think that that they'll look to do that. And, you know, it's going to depend on how how everything plays out. One one of the things about the, about about our first pick being at 44 is there's so many possible things that could happen beforehand. There's no yeah. way to really prepare as well as if we still had pick 13, you know, in the first mm-hmm. draft. It's it's more, right. you know, wild and crazy like this that stuff could happen. And you know yep. something crazy is going to happen. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's <laughs> just a matter of what it's going to be, right? Right. Yep. Guys, you know the the one thing I feel that Andrew Barry has that I just don't feel most GMs and most teams have in the draft and in some other situations is I feel like he. He approaches this with with patience. You know, he lets things come to him, and then he he's not afraid to pull the trigger at the right time. And he seems to have this innate ability to know when the right time is. You know, at least he has so far. So you know, it's worked out. So um, uh, let's let's hope that continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I sent you an article. I think it was earlier today, Rod. Or I, I commented on an article or something that um, it, it talked about draft history and, and how hard it is to hit on first rounders, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it, it really kind of beat up the Browns for, for, you know, our team's lack of ability to, to hit home runs um, in the first round. But the reality is, is nobody hits home runs consistently in the draft, anywhere in the draft, you know, it, it no. really is a crapshoot. Um and and this this year with the the quarterbacks being um, so hard to predict where they're going to go, you know normally you have those quarterbacks being pushed up into the first round and that you know makes a lot of other things happen. I don't think that's going to happen this year. You know beyond Malik Willis you know, sitting there end of the first round and into the second and third round, you know so it's it's really hard to predict you know who teams are going to fall in love with you know, and, and know yeah. what, what's going to be sitting there for you. Yeah. I think there's a lot of variables. I, I think you're right. You know, Willis is going to go and, and somebody's, somebody's going to take a, you know, pick it out of need probably, um, you know, those two guys in the first round beyond that, who knows? I mm-hmm. mean, a couple, you know, there could be two or three more quarterbacks taken in the first round or those guys could all drop, you know, into the middle of the second round or later. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's that's going to be interesting, and uh, it, it's kind of cool. The Browns, you know, for the what second or th- I mean, I guess it's been a while now. The Browns have not been looking quarterback. I, gu- I guess they were looking, you know, backup a couple of years ago. But uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of interesting to not be concerned with quarterback when 
that's pretty much all the Browns did every season. I was drafted in quarterback for so long. <laughs> right. It's just right. uh, foreign territory, definitely. So uh, yep. it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It kicks off um, kicks off tomorrow night. Are, are you guys going to stay up and watch the whole first round, or are you going to just watch some and go to bed when you get tired? So I'm definitely I definitely plan on staying up. I will I will admit that often while while sitting up and watching TV these days, I fall asleep while watching, whether it's late <laughs> or at two o'clock in the afternoon sometimes. Um, so I'm, I I make no guarantees that I'm gonna be, be able to stay up. I I plan on it. I I I gotta tell you, I I love the draft. I've loved the draft since I was a little kid. I I used to I used to love getting the the the. You know the Sports Illustrated double issue of of the NFL draft preview and the sporting news with the with, with everything. I, I I I've enjoyed the draft since I was a little kid. I, I I'll say something. I don't I don't know if this is, I, I I'll ask you guys the question. I personally miss the days of it being Saturday Sunday. What out of curiosity, what do you guys think about the Thursday Friday Saturday setup? I, I agree with you, Menachem. I think they're they're stretching it out too much for television. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, staying up till what uh, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night can be a little bit rough for some oh. of us. Yeah. So, so I will probably do what you will do, and I will probably watch it on the couch until I get tired, and then I will fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> then when I wake up, I will go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that that's about what I expect to happen, and we may all be in that same situation. So, uh, so uh, this this has been fun. I think the uh, I think the I think the draft's going to be fun, guys. So, uh, Menachem, we appreciate you joining us. Do you have any words in closing? I just I want to thank you guys for allowing me to to join you and have some fun tonight. And I I look forward to seeing what 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 Andrew Barry does. I think it's going to be. I think, you know, he's he, in the last two drafts. He's, in my opinion, done a great job. I think it's going to continue this this year, and I look forward to seeing how great we we look in a week from now. Sounds good, uh, Jeff. Any words in closing? Uh, yeah, just the Browns are all in, and strap in because this is going to be wild. We haven't even talked yet about the possibility of trades and what they can can potentially get for Baker around draft time. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely wild. You're absolutely right. Yeah, we, we could have gone on another half hour talking Baker and, and other potential trades to yield more picks and other things. So, yep, uh, right on. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, it's been great talking to you guys. This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.